Welcome to the Eugene Halliday Podcast. Every fortnight we publish a talk from Eugene Halliday's collected works. These talks were recorded in Manchester and Liverpool, commencing in the late 1950s up until his death in 1987. This is episode 35, Heavenly Jerusalem. This is a drawing of the heavenly Jerusalem. Now you'll observe that it's a circle with some straight lines, at least they're supposed to be straight, inside it. And it is made in a very simple way. This is how you teach babies to draw boxes. First you draw a circle, more or less. It doesn't really matter because there aren't any perfect circles in the time world. So if it goes a bit distorted, it'll be in conformity with temporal usage. First you draw the circle, and then you put six points, one there, one there, one there, one there, one there, on the periphery, equidistant, and you put one in the centre there, and starting from the centre you draw a line down, and you write a letter Y, like that. Can you see it? A vertical from the centre, a Y. And then you simply take those three lines of the Y and draw a pair of lines parallel with each one of those. With the vertical one, two. With this sinister arm, one, two. With this dexter arm, one, two. That's a very simple way of drawing a cube isometrically. I've drawn it that way because it is a description given of the holy Jerusalem. And that means city of peace. I've drawn it inside a circle because it began with a circle. Remember, have you all got this drawing down now? At least those of you who are interested. First of all, we have a circle, a sacred enclosure. Apart from that circle, we have infinity. But with infinity, we can't do anything. So we have to make a sacred place to do something in. And the most economic way of making such a sacred place is to make a sphere. And because it's rather a sticky job modelling spheres in new plasticine, we just draw a circle on the paper or on the cellophane or whatever, or perspex, slightly more expensive already. And having drawn this circle, we have to remember that the circle represents a sphere. Now you all know, you politicians and others of influence, of the expression spheres of influence. Spheres of influence. Anywhere where there is anything of importance going on, a sphere of influence exists. That is to say, a place has had built around it a periphery to protect it from the infinity of possibilities beyond. Mental note. A sacred place, a sphere, specially built, with a strong wall around it to protect the energies inside from an infinity of possibilities outside. That's the first stage of building the heavenly Jerusalem. Did I say heavenly Jerusalem then? <laughs> the reason is the word heaven comes from a verb to heave, to heave up. From the central point, which is the first to be posited, the power there posited heaves itself up to a certain distance and then rotates. It makes a periphery round the central point. That's very important. All activities start with a point. And it's called the point of initiative. The primordial point which creates universes, thought processes, solar systems, planets, every life upon the planet, every particle of matter begins with a point. And that primordial point is the absolute essence of all formal structures, whatever. Now, unless we have an enclosure 
We cannot work to build an integrated functional structure. And we all have such an enclosure, namely our physical body, with its periphery, the integument, your skin. You know that your skin is very tough, because you knock it about, you damage it, you cut it, you bruise it, and somehow you survive for many years. Without that tough integument, your life would flow out. It's a very magical thing, the skin. It has a certain thickness, and it has a number of layers, all the different geometries in them. And it is the very beginning and end of your integration. Therefore, you are supposed to guard it. The chief method of guarding your periphery, your skin, is washing. You know, washed in the blood of the Lamb is an expression used by Christians, and the equivalent in other religions is some kind of baptismal ritual. You have to wash. You have to get rid of impediments. You have to get rid of everything that is alien to your being. And when you made this round enclosure, if every one of us had a round enclosure only, we could not build with it. Those of you who know the Gospel of Barnabas will know <coughs> that there is a necessity for flattening the human race. Do you agree with that, ladies? It is essential to flatten that sphere in six planes. And when you flatten it in six planes, you have a perfect cube. The Masonic term for it is the perfect ashla. Ashla means spirit law, the law of spirit. You cannot build with perfectly round stones. They are not stable. So to make a city with citizens, you have to flatten the citizens. And there are two ways of flattening them. One is by violence, as we know from history of great conquests, and the other is by intelligence. Now the intelligence is very important, and it says right away, right at the beginning, the wall of the holy city of that heavenly Jerusalem is made of a most precious stone and the name of that stone is jasper now jasper means the affirmation of reason the affirmation of the spirit of reason it means pure logic you know that you have anatomy inside your skin and you know that your anatomy the internal organic structure follows certain logical laws laws of osmotic pressure laws of calcium deposits Skeletal structures, joints, and so on. All these laws are restraints upon primordial energy. What would we be like if we had no binding integument? Well, we'd be very friendly, wouldn't we? The nearest you can get to it and still be human is to get very drunk. Whereupon you leak, don't you? In every sense of the word. Have you ever been to a, a really good party? Say, Hogmanay for the Scots. What happens? Everything leaks. You pour everything in that you can, and it comes out. And the more intoxicated you are with the spirit of the new year, the more you put in, the more comes out. It comes out of your pores in perspiration, and comes out of your nine orifices. And nobody minds, because it's friendly. Are there any members of a friendly society here? Do you have a, an annual party in which you leak on each other? Now, supposing that this leakage were permitted, like a fellow said to me, I demand to be free, absolutely free. And I said, okay, start with a razor blade on your arteries. Liberate first the blood. And then you will attain your aim. Now, he thought I was being funny, but I wasn't. I meant it quite seriously. Anyone who believes in absolute free, without dome, because dome means sphere, means control, to believe that it's good to be absolutely free is to believe that it's good to be non-existent. Because the 
absolutely free, does not exist. Exist means stand out. Exist means be a unity. Exist means be encapsulated, be uniquely protected in your sacred, secret area of operation. So the first thing we learn about the heavenly Jerusalem is this. It is an encapsulated zone, specially encapsulated to allow individuation, to allow unique developments of character, of function, of creative process. Now, it describes the heavenly city as the same length and breadth and height. It is a cube. Any good mason can tell you, if he's in a, a leaky mood, all about the perfect ashlar. It represents your own being, perfected by work. You go to a quarry, and if you're like Michelangelo, you choose your own piece. And you say to the quarrymen, cut me that one out. And if they're friendly with you, they do. And if they're not, they give you a drink, take you to a little hut and say, wait there, sir. And they give you something that you didn't ask for. And that serves you right for not paying attention when they're taking your piece out of the quarry. When you get this piece out, it is then hit with a kind of mallet, a gavel, and the rough parts are knocked off progressively until you finish up with roughly a cube. And that's called a rough ashlar. Ash, spirit, la is law. It's already on the way. It has been taken out of the mob, out of the crowd, out of the mass of marble. And it has been struck with a gavel. And that word is gavel. In order to do your first work, you talk. And you do what the Chinese poets, Lee Tai Po, Sleeping Dragon Lee used to do. You talk at random to find out about, ab out, outside and away from, your essential subject matter. You do this at parties, don't you? Businessmen do it a lot. They gabble, they talk rot, deliberately. And all the time they're listening in case somebody leaks out an important secret of a new change on the stock exchange. Gabbling or gabbling is a very useful device for making a roughly six-faced object. Now, the reason it has to have six faces is this. You have a future, you have a past, you have power on your right side and deficiencies on your left side, and you have heaven above you, powers you can't control, and which are infinite, and below you, the earth. A material substance that is very, very difficult to deal with. But you start roughly by gabbling. We're gabbling at the moment. We're talking roughly around the subject matter of the heavenly Jerusalem. In the process, we're going to talk about human future, human past, human power, human deficiency, and that superhuman power of the universal energy, which no man can control, and every man had better learn its rules. And the resistant material, the earth, mass inertia. Now, once we have got our definition right, we can proceed to the end. If we have a defined goal to which we are going, and we are in certain conditions in nature, by means of the definition of the goal and the study of the conditions, we can draw a line from where we are to where we will to be. So that the end, the goal, and the conditions of our existence condition our approach to the goal. We must have a defined goal. We must recognize that we are inside existing conditions. We do not create nature. That's already done for us. When we are born, we come inside existing preconditions of nature. And we try, as we go up, to modify nature to make what is called second nature. Technology is second nature. Those lights are second nature. The clothes you wear are second nature. They are a nature made by man. The first nature 
the great universe itself is made by the divine primordial power which religions call God which is a sentient, intelligent, infinite power. But we come into those conditions. We do not create the universe into which we enter. That is already done for us by the absolute power. But we can study that nature, that first nature, and then modify our behavior within it. And in the process of modifying our own behavior within it, we modify it. We take a lot of clay out of the ground and we hammer it roughly into cubic form. We put it in a kiln and fire it and we've got bricks. We then stand the bricks up and we have a house. And when the wind blows, the wind cannot blow like it used to blow, freely and indiscriminately, but it has to blow around the house. So the form of the movement of the wind, symbolic of spirit, is conditioned by the form that man's second nature, the nature made by man, imposes on first nature. Now the description we want, which must serve as our goal and guide us where to go, is the one given in that book of Revelation in the 22nd <coughs> chapter. And there you will find it is a peculiar city. It is a city that needs no light of sun or moon. For the light of it is constituted by the glory of God and the light of the Lamb, his Son. So that already we have a definition. What we are looking for, what we hope to develop into, is a being that needs no external light. We don't need an external sun. We don't need an external spotlight. We don't need an external moon. We don't need external stars. Our goal is that our light shall be inside. Here is your heavenly Jerusalem, somewhat fallen, a rough ashlar, but you can knock it progressively into a cubic shape so that you have six concepts to control. And then there is this lovely description. This city is of pure gold. But the gold is peculiar. The gold, although it's pure gold, is translucent. Transparent. Like glass. It is exactly like pure glass, but it's pure gold. The meaning there is quite simple. Gold is an incorruptible metal and for thousands of years has been used as a symbol of the will in its incorruptibility. You have a will. This will is the universal energy of God which has created as God the universe and posited inside that universe man and inserted into man the consciousness that it is from the universal power that the power of man's will is divine. The power of man's will is divine power encapsulated in the physical integument of the human being. So pure gold means pure will. You all know that expression, purity of heart, is to will one thing. Now the will is the J-A in Jasper. And the P-E-R in Jasper means logic, pure logic. So Jasper means literally to affirm pure logic, the pure logic of being. And it is transparent. How is it that it can be transparent if it is gold, which everybody knows is opaque? Because in symbolic language, we look for particular qualities, particular attributes, of particular substances, and then we extend them into higher significances. We call this myth, and we call it symbology. But it is real. You have inside you an incorruptible will. Generally, we call it personal awkwardness, don't we? Have you tried to control children who don't want to be controlled? It isn't easy, is it? You need all your pair and your yasper to get a baby to obey unless it wants to. And if it does want to, it's seen an advantage to itself so to behave. 
there is in every human being a little seed. And that seed is the seed of eternal spirit. It is the seed of a will which is utterly incorruptible. That is, you can't break it because it is not made of parts. Now that will, that incorruptible, pathless power, can only be, logically, the continuum of the universe itself operating in the centre of a living being. You see, a continuum has no parts. No parts. A continuum is, by definition, throughout itself identical. It has no divisions within it. Having no divisions within it, it cannot break. It is incorruptible. To corrupt is to break. So the continuum itself, the absolute power, which is pathless, called the garment, which has no seam, the seamless garment, seamless because it symbolizes no parts, there is inside you a center of that continuum. Bruno, in the year 1600, was burned at the stake by the authority of the pontiff in the Vatican for saying the center of infinity is anywhere and the periphery is nowhere. That is to say that every point of space, every simply smallest point of space, is a point in an infinite continuum. And the infinite continuum, being a continuum, has no parts and cannot break. But because that point within the continuum is only a conceptual point, it cannot break either. That is the pair, the conceptual point, P-E-R, in the jasper. Your will is a centre of infinite power. And it is utterly indestructible. And mysteriously, it is absolutely transparent. Gold is a symbol of the will, because gold is incorruptible. And, at the same time, to the being who self-examines himself, his motivation, so that he makes his motivation inside himself absolutely clear to himself. Although he is gold, that is will, he is also as clear as glass to himself. But mysteriously, because of the uniqueness of the will to itself within the continuum, with the whole infinite continuum resting on each point of the will, that will is opaque to every other will. And it is the opacity of that will that constitutes its indestructible individuality. Any person who examines himself, his own motivations, discloses to himself his own will, in the act of disclosing to himself his own will, is both gold and as clear as glass to himself. It isn't accidental that the word glass in Glasgow and do glass means green. And green is the colour sacred to the goddess of love, Venus. So to be transparent to oneself, one must love oneself throughout. One must, in loving oneself, know oneself. Because you cannot love that which you do not know. You can have an idea that if you did know, you might love. But you cannot love the unknown. First, you must define the unknown in some lovable way before you can begin to move towards the unknown. So here we have it. The heavenly Jerusalem is the human being and the macrocosmic human being, the Adam Kadmon of the Hebrews. The original Adam, not the one on physical earth, but the one whose body constitutes symbolically the whole universe. And that man, known fully to himself in his motivation, is himself pure gold for his will and transparent as the clearest glass. And he cannot be that unless he loves the continuum and all that the continuum does. A man who attacks another man and takes him to pieces and conceives him to be an enemy is unfortunate 
unfought unit. He is not strongly unified. Because he has not understood that when he attacks another being, he is attacking the continuum, which is pathless, and therefore attacking himself. He cuts himself to pieces every time he attacks some other human being, or indeed anything whatever, animals, plants, minerals, whatever he attacks within total reality and imagines he could do without proves merely his ignorance of the continuum which is fundamentally the being of beings. Throughout the symbology of the holy city we come to this. Ye Lu Sa La Ma Ye Lu Jerusalem. Put it on your hand like this. Ye, J, Ru, R, Sa, S, La, L, M. On your little finger. Jerusalem. And observe that when we go like this with it, the middle letter at the top here is S. S means spirit. It's the mysterious letter of spirit. Now, if we hold our hand in this magical way, magic means pertaining to the will, sa, or spirit, fundamental basis there, means sentient activity. Sentient activity, S-A, sa. Now, that sa polarizes in two directions, one towards S and one towards A. Towards S is sentient, towards A is activity. It polarizes towards watching and doing, and towards watching what it is doing. So when we put Jerusalem like that, which you could spell Hierosalem if you wanted, the peace of the high priest, Hieros, Alem, God's primordial substance establishes itself as its own high priest. Your consciousness is your sentience, self-activated. You have nothing in you except your activation. And your activation can be physical, emotional, mentational, comprehensional, volitional, and overlooking. It polarizes through S and A, sentience and activity. Now, moving towards the thumb, it polarizes as R and J. Now, R means to discriminate. And it's the letter belonging peculiarly to spirit. To the Arabic ruh, the Hebrew ruach. To the rock, the bird that carries Sinbad. To discriminate. And the J means to affirm. So, the S has become discriminative, discriminative affirmation towards the thumb. Towards the little finger, it has become la-ma. You know, lamentations. Come from this LM base. It polarizes towards la, clinging to life, and ma, the inertia of matter. So we have a peculiar polarization. Spirit, true activity, has made itself into a discriminative affirmative power and a clinging inertic power. To make the heavenly Jerusalem, we have to balance these facts. What are these facts? Let's look at them as you know them. Cold winter morning. No heating on yet. How easily do you leap out of bed with gaiety and abandon and greet the new day? <coughs> it's not even light yet. And it's damp. Do you leap gladly out of bed to face the day? Or does your body itself, the body, like being in the warmth? Does it? Yes. That's a terrible enemy, you know. It's comfort. It is your M function. Taught to you by the eternal cosmic mother. And reinforced by your terrestrial mother. She encourages you to like comfort. Wrap the baby bunting in somebody else's rabbit skin. Always my baby must be made comfort, or 
at the expense of some now-naked rabbit. This is the principle of the mother. The mother must protect its offspring, otherwise there will be no future generations. But that same instinct in the mother that protects her child does so at the expense of every other child. Which is why Christ says, I am come to destroy the works of woman. Because they have to be destroyed. Troy means law, establishment. And you have to unestablish it. When it served its function, the function of the mother is to give birth to the child and then, having given birth to it, to nourish it until it is big enough to punch her on the nose and leave home. If she ells or clings, that ell means the to cling, if she binds that child, beyond its own natural maturation point, she is no longer of any use. She is now an enemy of the child to which she gave birth. So the LM down there are called the wicked ones. They are the evil ones. Clinging to mummy, L to M. Do you believe it? How do you feel, mummies? Do we agree? In principle, said mummy, yes, it's quite right. I'm quite happy to get rid of all my daughters. If I've got a handsome son, you better watch out. Because daddy is bound to die earlier than son. And we don't want to be alone, so we will tend to cling. And teach clinging to mummy, to the son. Little girls can fasten their own shoes when they're three. Little boys can't fasten them properly when they're 33. <laughs> True. Do you know I can't do my shoes out yet? I really can't. I, I, I never get the opportunity. If I start trying to fasten the shoes, some mysterious hands appear out of space. I've even had somebody so eager that they lace them up before I've got them on. <laughs> now that's all LM function. And this is a very serious thing. To be a new or heavenly Jerusalem, you have to balance five in one. You're a six-fold being, and you have to balance these five in this one. In its original sphere, you have to learn to flatten yourself, to give yourself planes, surfaces, which can be put against the surfaces of other beings to build the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem. And that wall is diaspora. Mysteriously, it is translucent. It is light. It lets light right through because the person who knows himself thoroughly is transparent to himself. And yet, mysteriously, he is an affirmer of reason, Jasper, that's Logos, cosmic reason, not Aristotelian reason, not bent reason of the greengrocer who's got a rotten apple to sell and at the end of the day he lets you have them cheap. Not that kind of reason. Pure reason. And this mysterious jasper, which is glass, is gold. Because it is only your will. Your purity of will, your purity of intention. Now, it says, there is no temple in this holy city. No temple. You'd think if it was religious, there'd be bound to be a temple, wouldn't you? There must be a cathedral, eh? But it's only for the sake of the tourists. But this heavenly Jerusalem has no temple inside it. And it says, why? Because God and the Lamb, his Son, they are the temple thereof. Now the word temple means time play. But this temple is not a temple, which is a time play. Time is time and PLE means to fold. The foldings of the time process are the temple on earth. But there is no temple like that inside your own being when you know yourself. There is no time play. But there is something else. There is the power of God there. And that power of God is essential creativity. And there is his son, the lamb, which is your capacity for meekly taking whatever comes to you and converting it in such a way that the people who impose upon you whatever it is they're imposing, when they see what you've done with it, they wish they had not given it to you to play with. That's the meaning of the lamb. If you manage to assimilate all stimulation, 
to your own being, you can combat the most dangerous, the most destructive, the most petty, the most mean, and you can turn it into pure gold. And this gold will be transparent, and this gold will be jasper. You will see the rationale of the temptations to which you have been exposed. And there will be no temple there. You don't have to listen to church bells ringing out a tune. You don't have to go anywhere. You are yourself internally the temple, the living God and his representative son. Now how are we going to get to this state? We know that it's very difficult. We know there is pain, suffering, typhoons, cyclones, floods, wars, business cheating, misrepresentation, petty lying, extramarital affairs, and even worse, affairs within marriage. Like a man and his wife looking at each other as if they were not married. That also is a mystery. If you're sufficiently drunk, you can actually think that the woman you have married is after all a nice girl. When this happens, you can start behaving towards her as if you weren't married for five minutes until you sober up. So even within that intimate relation, you can start being intimate. And then wish you hadn't been intimate later on. Because now there are five to go to university. And it isn't cheap in these inflationary days. We have to know how to get to it. The fact that it is a cube that has the same length and breadth and height or length and breadth and depth, as St. Paul would say, is the key. You stand in the middle of six orientations. You are a little dot standing in the middle of that cube and you can think forwards and backwards. You can think to the right, to the powers you have and to the left your known deficiencies and above to the powers that you cannot control but must obey and to the earth material, the clay that you have to model. When you remember this at any moment of the day or night, you posit yourself inside this sphere, flattened into a cube, the squaring in the circle, the cubing of the sphere, the great mystery of the mathematicians and geometricians. How to square the circle, how to cube the sphere. This is the problem of the building of the heavenly Jerusalem. You have to stand at any here and now. It cannot be done yesterday or tomorrow. It can only be done now. You posit yourself now in the middle of your future your past, your powers, your deficiencies, the uncontrollable infinite, and the modelable earth matter. And at each moment you have to tell yourself, I'm about to say something, I'm about to do, to think, to feel something, and whatever I do is an orientation. And I must know whether this orientation is towards my future, my past, my increased powers, my increasing deficiencies, my subordination to the universal power, and my modelable creative power acting upon the earth. Now, if we do that kind of thing at any moment, how can we do it wrong? We can't, can we? If we actually, in a given here now, see the future results of our present act, and we see the backward tendency that made us do it, and we see that our powers are threatened by it, and our deficiencies increased by it, and we know that there are powers above us that we cannot control, karma, action, reaction, and we see that there is an earth that we are modelling in the very act of doing this act, how can we move? Doesn't it make you keep still? In ancient India, the Jainas were a religious group about the time of or slightly before the Buddhists, and their whole aim was to keep still. And there's a magnificent statue there to Mahavira, one of their great prophets, 50-odd feet high, and a vine is growing around him because he's keeping still. The same thing in Zazen. In Zazen, you sit still. And if you still, your physical body, 
you reduce your inner activities as nearly as you can get to nil so your life processes slow down your breathing slows down your circulation slows down and you bring yourself as near to death as you can get your mentational serial thinking slows down your preoccupation with personal patterns reduces and your individual will intent to interfere ceases you are left only with the sixth there your overseeing your episcopal function your episcopos you are your own bishop watching yourself and you do nothing to the best of your ability and if you attain to that nothing sitting in Zazen if you attain it, what happens? do you think that the continuum of which you are only a modality is doing nothing about you? or do you think that continuum which is infinitely extended spiritual power fully omniscient doesn't look upon you there sitting doing nothing and says Yusufah a door through which I can operate without impedance use transparency like the sage there's nothing in the way I can use this being for my cosmic purpose so right in the middle of your zars and intent suddenly while you're doing nothing something appears inside you because the field power the continuum the absolute spirit presses in on useful tools servants of the most high God he calls them he just presses in and inserts an idea and says now get out and do something the whole function of sitting in Zazen or sitting in any contemplation whatever is simply to reduce your individual egotistic impedances to nil in order that the absolute intelligent power can use this organism for its own purpose whatever that might be if you retain any egotistical intent to utilize the absolute then you have impeded yourself you have blocked yourself with your egotistical intent and the universal intelligence looks at you sitting in what you think is our Zen and says pity there's only one thing blocking me using that fellow his own stupid intent to utilize me you cannot defeat the infinite intelligence that is the power above you which you cannot control but you can by careful sitting and doing nothing in the most intelligent way bring yourself into a condition where it looking at you with your purity of motive with no impedances will say thank you very much you're a very good vehicle of my activities I work through you and then you become something such as a famous sacrificial being on the cross or a, a shot politician or anything you could become anything but if you think that you want to choose what you shall become you are impeding that infinite intelligence now posit yourself inside your flattened sphere the cube and ask yourself at any moment of your life am I aware now that I'm projecting creating formulating my future irretrievably in this here now and what is making me do it my past inertias the LM the clinging to the memory LM clinging to the memory of the comfort mechanisms imposed by the cosmic mother and reinforced by your terrestrial mother if those project themselves into the future they jump now and you have no present but if you have no present you have no presence and if you have no presence you have no creativity so the whole art of building that heavenly Jerusalem consists in getting into the here and now in full consciousness that the here and now is not a negative nothing it is an absolute creative power with these six orientations around it your exercise is quite simple and like all things simple tremendously difficult to do because of the LM function you have a material body and that body has been bequeathed to you by two parents nature and man take nature back to its source you're talking about the continuum of divine power take man he has built a second nature a civilized man is not a natural man 
Did any of you see the long search during the week, either today or earlier in the week? There was a man there, a Negro, and he believed he could contact his ancestors. And he said, you white people say, I am primitive to believe this, but I tell you, I interpret the word primitive as meaning pure. That's why I can contact my ancestors. Primitive means put there from the origin. Primitive means pure. And they had to have a Negro, so-called backward, telling an intelligent TV searcher for truth. A thing he never thought of. Primitives are pure. What you have to be is more primitive, not less. Now, 6,000 years ago, some super comedian invented the alphabet. By means of the alphabet, he enslaved the human race to concepts. Previous to that time, nobody read in the way that we do today. And everybody lived spontaneously. And occasionally, in the January, somebody got killed. Didn't matter much, because it was all in fun. And they departed into their next level of being, aware. It was only in the heat of the moment that a friend had hit him on the head with a knob carry, rendering that body temporarily useless. But it had not killed the continuum, because that is indestructible. It hadn't killed the spirit of man. And so he could reincarnate and come back again. But there were no hard feelings. Wasn't it C.S. Lewis that once said that when two men on the battlefield kill each other, simultaneously, they burst out laughing in the next world? Wasn't it a silly fight? <laughs> because you all know that that's true. When you're rowing and fighting and disagreeing and trying to get your own way, whatever that mysterious word own means, are you not thoroughly conscious in the middle of the fight that it's rubbish? that you're fabricating things to get your own way? And do you not know that if you get your own way, you've got the worst way in the world? And that your friend in opposing you is your greatest saviour? Do you feel like that in the middle of the round? No. But when you cool down, don't you start modifying your argument? So the next time you meet that same opponent, aren't you really quoting him as you said what he said? Isn't that the most comic, obvious thing? You meet the fellow, and he says to you exactly what you said to him last week. Only now he says he said it. You say, no, I said that. No, 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 you misunderstood me. Because both of them are fishing to be correct, aren't they? And they go home and they meditate. And they work out how they would have won the verbal argument if they had won it, and they appropriate it. Then they meet again and they swap sides. You know that all conflict is a means of education of consciousness. It has a function because there is nothing in the universe that hasn't got a function. The essence of a continuum is power and the essence of the modalizings of power is to create functional structures. And they're not there for nothing, they're there to sharpen consciousness. So if somebody disagrees with you, it's only the continuum educating you. That being said, you can say to your opponent, uh, give me another insult. I wrote that one too easily. Find something deeper. And if it's a very good thinker, he'll be able to find something. Thank you very much. That really hurt. Now I can examine myself, because what I want is volitional purity. And I can't get it until I get rid of my hurts. When we're building this heavenly city, we are trying to structure ourselves in such a way that we become immortal. Immortal means we don't fall apart. Mortal means breaking in bits. Potentially disintegrating. To be immortal, you have to fulfill certain conditions. And the first one is purity of will. You must have a single intent of will to bring yourself into absolute conformity with cosmic logic. That makes ladies tremble a bit, doesn't it? 
Funnily enough, he made gentlemen tremble too on their mother's side. The fundamental idea is that if I became perfectly logical, I might give up some of my private purposes. But if I examine my private purposes too carefully, I will find out that they're not only private, but privated. They are deficient, they are inefficient, they will get me nowhere, so I'd better not examine them. You know, self-examination is very hard work, isn't it? Have you tried it? In the middle of the night? How to go to sleep very quickly. Don't try to go to sleep. Set yourself a little problem. This is the problem. I would like to be sincere with myself. Then start trying to be it. I'll bet you're asleep within five minutes. It's the most miraculous uh, sleeplessness cure. And it's free. No tablets. Just try to be sincere with yourself and I'll bet you fall asleep. Because your private purpose is not yet finished. And the key to that is in the words of Christ. Which he said to John the Baptist when John the Baptist asked to baptize Jesus said, I'm not worthy to do it. He said, that's fine, then do it. Because to be baptized by an inferior being is a bit of a change. You know, usually superior beings are baptized. And we've got used to that. Now let's be baptized by inferior beings. That means to say that when somebody comes to insult you from a lower social stratum, or a lower financial stratum, or a lower spiritual stratum, the fact that they are lower is a very good method of being criticised. Don't be criticised merely by your superiors. Be criticised by Dumkupfer. Find the stupid and get them to criticise you. You'd be surprised if you work a little bit with congenital idiots how perceptive they are. They know every error that their keepers commit. Because stupidity is very nearly primitivity. And primitivity is very near purity. They can see. Now, within this city of your being, you are the heavenly Jerusalem, not yet finished building. Each person is a city of God. Each skin is a wall, protecting you from interference, in some degree, by others also trying to build their cities. And to build, you must have an enemy. You know when you build, one brick on top of another, there's a force called gravity trying to pull it down. Do you think that's a good idea? Wouldn't it be nice if you could build and they didn't fall down? Would that be good for you? I put a brick, have another brick, and walk away, and tomorrow it's still there. What happens to me if that is so? What's happened to every great civilization that has established its bricks one on top of the other so securely that it hasn't needed to attend to them? It actually dies in the middle of its greatness because it begins to rest on its lungs. It stops the necessary striving to transcend its own previous creation. And as soon as you stop the movement to transcendence of going beyond your own design, you're already dead. It's only a matter of 300 years and you'll really fall over. Rome was dead 300 years earlier than it showed itself because it had begun to rest on a concept that was built originally by man. There is primordial nature, cosmos itself, and there is second nature created by man interfering with first nature. And your body is given to you by the LM, the loving mummy. Yeah? And nourished and conditioned to comfort. And he likes you to be baby shaped. You know that? Have you noticed how wives, especially new ones, start stuffing their husbands to make them round? It has two purposes. One is to remind mummy potential of the baby she could have and then give her a baby to play with till she gets another one and if it's a boy then daddy's had it and also they make that person undesirable to all other women a very very round baby like form nurtured by a woman is undesirable to other women 
because they want it thin to start with. First thing they do if they start to love a pair with somebody else's wife is talk about his figure and reduce him, making the lithe, slim, animal male. And then when he gets rid of the first wife, he gets the second wife, she brings him up into a new fatness which is hers. She has created this fatness. And she signs it with garlic and various things that the other woman didn't use. So if Heavenly First Wife finds him and he's not smelling of the right kind of food, she will know that she has been pipped to the post. The loving mother. And opposite to the loving mother is the affirmation of pure logic, the Yeru. This Yerusalem is a city of peace, a Yeru of Shalom, of peace, Salam. But it cannot be at peace unless it's balanced perfectly by volitional intent. It's no good being balanced from outside oneself because then one is at the mercy of the balances. You know when your daddy picks you up and throws you to the ceiling and catches you? Yes, for thrills. And the little girl giggles, doesn't she? Especially if the daddy's a good catcher. That is a game imposed on you from outside. Is it the best kind of game? Someday you'll have to throw yourself up and catch yourself, otherwise you will retain the awareness of your LM function. You are bound to matter. You are inert. You are not your own king in your own territory. You are at the mercy of other beings. Now, it's a very interesting thing to build the city of Jerusalem out of your own being. And if you don't build it with your own being, you can't build it at all. No external educator can create a heavenly city inside another person without that person's cooperation. That's a sure guarantee against egotism. No teacher can guarantee to turn all his pupils into great scholars. No artist has done it. No poet. No musician. No composer. Nobody can make a pupil learn unless the pupil wills to learn. It's an intelligent pupil can say, thank you very much. You've got plenty of knowledge. I can now work on it and possibly transcend the performance of the teacher. If he's an intelligent teacher, he's very, very good. He plays better than I do now. I showed him all my technique and he, being creative continually, created further developments of the technique. So now I'm ashamed of myself relative to my pupils. And that's very, very good to be able to say that the pupil has exceeded the master. It's the opposite rule to the rule you get in schools of art where the rule is the pupil shall never become greater than the master. You are in process of self-education and you go about the world looking for means of self-development. Everybody's looking for means of self-development. And there's only one correct way and that is simultaneous development of your total faculties. Some people try to develop their bodies for years and years and don't bother about the rest of them and they turn into gentlemen called Mr. Universe. You know the kind there was at one time, not very long ago, an attempt to make a program, a TV program with Mr. Universe on it. Can you imagine a more boring program than a fellow who stuffs himself with protein every day and gets a mighty arm and he poses looking at himself in great admiration? And yet, funnily enough, he can't lift weights properly and he can't fight and he can't run properly. He's not an Olympic champion. He's just what he imagines is a beautiful body. He didn't bother to develop anything else, just a physical body. Now, would you be satisfied to be a body beautiful? Have any of you seen lovely physical culture magazines on the railway station with a large muscle man on the front? And you know very well he's not a world beater in any physical sport, but just in looking big in the muscles. Not good enough. 
and some other people, they make another error just the same as another plane of being. The error of being aesthetic, like an 18th century exquisite. You can so refine yourself with poetic sensitivity that you can faint. That's an appropriate balance of verbs and nouns and adjectives. Do you know you can swoon at a Shakespearean summit? Do you believe that? I've actually seen a man, completely trousers and essentials, quivering with exquisite delight. It's a single line, like as the waves make towards the pebble shore. And I knew another man who thought that the moan of doves in immemorial elms and murmuring of innumerable bees is exquisite. And he fell all over the place and couldn't finish his drink because of it. <laughs> that was extreme aesthetic sensitivity. And then there's another power, very, very clever, very useful power. You go to buy something somewhere in the store, and he's got a brain like a pocket computer. He goes, this is, this is, and you can have that, 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 that. And it'll cost you 75p. And he does it immediately. It's terribly clever at that. Sometimes those fellows even get on the stage as memory men. And they do mathematical tricks, see it? And then there's another kind of weird excess. Comprehending cosmic purpose from a dizzy height. God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. Yeah. Meanwhile, somebody, while he's sitting on the bank of the canal, thinking this high belt, he's drowning. And he contemplates that somehow in the mysterious economy of things, the drowning of little babies is part of ultimate significance. Mm, have you met one of those? And then there's the other kind, the revolutionary fellow, the hijacker, and the overthrower, the man of the military coup. He willfully interferes with everything. He sees it and he goes, nah. Whatever it is, get out, wake up. Just nudge him from a moment. Hard. Hit him. Properly. You've got the right, you're the wife, hit him. I'll throw this thing at him if he doesn't stop. <laughs> he's demonstrating his one-pointed mind. Actually, he's been sitting in Zal's end for the last half hour. Now, we can do this. And we can also do the impassive bishop. Number six. The episcopos who contemplates everything from an infinite distance. And it isn't like the planet, the man that uh, understands the plan of God, he's all perfect, he doesn't even bother about the plan. He just contemplates like this. Somewhere, whatever is going on, is going on there below, with no anything about it. And at least it's overlooked. Now those are six ways of going wrong, aren't they? And then you compare them if you like, and triple them if you like, or Make lovely quaternities or quintuplets or whatever you want to do with them. But nothing less than all of them will constitute simultaneously that heavenly Jerusalem. That's hard work, isn't it? Mm. And it can only be done now. Like now. Like this now. Now. If you think about the past or the future, your powers, your deficiencies, the infinite above you, the modelable earth below you, separately, you have unbalanced yourself. It must be done now. You have to sit, and you have to know that in that sitting, you have not moved, not at all. And in the middle of that non-movement, you can do something. Adjust. Create second nature. Your physical action does not in any way impede your non-action spiritually. In other words, whatever you do, if you are uncentered in the middle of that perfect ashram, that cube, if you are uncentered with those six awarenesses around you, whatever you do is a perfect act. 
Mother Nelson say there, right to the end of that revelation, Behold, I come quickly. I'm Alpha and Omega. Beginning, the end, the first and the last. And I come quickly. Why does he say that? Because it can only come quickly. This realization comes in a now. Dimensionless. Not half a second, less than that. Less than a millionth of a second, it comes now. And now is not a temporal event at all. Now is an inbreak of eternity into the consciousness of man. That's a temporal event, but it appears in the middle of the time structure and totally changes it. Behold, I make all things new in that immediacy of the moment of creativity of the non-temporal eternal in the temporal finite. Please subscribe to receive notifications of future episodes. Thank you.